are you there? There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Stop. Stop. Because the second part, if you have it in your Bible, is not in the earliest manuscripts. So there's some... If you have a, uh, a NIV, a NASB, a ESV, a RSV, it's not in there. The NASB, some people say, is the most accurate direct translation from the original manuscripts. Now, guess what? None of us have one. We don't have an old parchment. So we believe that the Holy Spirit has given us the word. You know, and, and, and that's the fact. So, but if you do, I've got New King James. Mine says something else. Um, it says, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. All right? Now, there's a problem with that. I want to talk to you about it. We have to be careful because people have used that as a reason to disqualify themselves for grace. As a matter of fact, in the flesh, they, you tend to feel like it disqualifies you from grace. You have to be real careful with that. That's what, and I think that's why correctly a lot of the good translations, a lot of, I didn't say them all, but a lot of the good translations don't even include that because then you don't have to contemplate that because the first thing a person does in their natural state is say, but do I walk completely by the Spirit? Don't you do it? Yeah, when you read that, that's what you think. Well, that means somebody that perfectly walks according to the Spirit, right? I think that's why it's not in the original manuscript. Somebody added that later to make, probably added it later to try to define something, you know? Well, let's deal with it either way, okay? Let's deal with it either way right quick and get it out of our way. Who do not walk according to the flesh. You know, it's interesting, um, do not walk according to the flesh. Walk is peripateo. Well, it does mean walk. It means walk. Uh, generally speaking, it means to walk or, you know, conduct oneself. But it's funny. There's a Hebrew word that it pulls from, and in Hebrew, it meant to live. And what it means is to conduct one's life according to, or let that be the principle of life, you know, that kind of thing. And, I mean, if you see it that way, then you don't feel so guilty when you're not perfect, if you will. Um, who do not, you're with me? Those who do not live according to the flesh. Now, according is a tough word for me, and I think for a lot of people. In this word, particularly in Greek, because according to, they usually put, according is kata, and it's the word we translate it in. I mean, it really is. But the problem with it doesn't mean according to. Really at all. I guess it's close. But I want to give you what that means and let you think about it. Kata is a preposition. And what it, what it does, it didn't, this, is, this is very interesting. You'll see why it's important. Um, kata denotes motion or diffusion or direction. From the higher to the lower. 
But see, according to is so weak and really doesn't capture what's being said there at all. Because, you, you know, you, I mean, maybe it does, but I don't think it carries the same weight as the Greek that was intended there. You understand from the higher to the lower, that meaning that your flesh would be the higher principle and it, it's diffusing into you, being the difference. And what's the rest of the verse there? Because that's important. Who walk not according to the flesh, who, who, who do not live or conduct themselves uh, from the higher to the lower with the flesh being the leader, but... Yeah but after the Spirit. So what it really says is people who do not, who are not directed by the flesh, it being the higher principle diffusing or directing or, or you know, leading down to the lower, right? In other words, you live by a set of principles. That's the higher, that's the higher principle, whatever your principle is. So people that are led by the flesh as their higher principle, are not Christians, but the ones that the Spirit of God, you understand they're led by the Spirit, that walk according to or conduct their lives according to that as the higher principle as best they can are the sons of God or the children of God, right? Amen? And that makes sense, doesn't it? It's not talking about perfection in the flesh. It's talking about what you mind as the principle and what you meditate on and what you try to accomplish up here and right here, right? Does that make sense? All right. Isn't that beautiful? And you know good and well you run into people that never consider the Spirit of God in their daily life. You run into Christians, money's the number one thing with them. Money's the number one thing, you know. Well, guess what? It shouldn't be. Anything of the natural shouldn't be the higher principle, the one that dictates me, that directs me. If it is, I need to do an audit, an internal audit, you know, and see what's got me. You know, do I have Christ or does something else have me? And truly I'm deceived. You know, I think, I think that's why God, and I'm just guessing, I really think that's why the Lord is, is, is he, he's, he's interested in us taking our wallets out and taking something out and giving it. One of the main reasons is because if you have trouble with that, you're learning that you have trouble trusting Him. And see, to be saved is to trust. So that's, a, that's like the crux of a serious issue. You know, to be saved is to trust. Well, I can deceive myself and tell myself, oh, I trust God. Yeah, I'm saved. I trust God. But if I won't take what I can see and take whatever percentage I feel led to give and give it, aren't I just deceiving myself? that I'm believing in something you can't see that's coming, going to be completed later on? Yeah. It's a mechanism to show me that I'm not what I think I am. And God does it lovingly. So I'll know. That's an audit, folks. That is an audit, right? If I have trouble loving my neighbor, that's an audit. And what do most Christians do? Instead of embracing the audit and being honest with God, they hide it. They say, well, people don't know. They had it. Well, they're running away from the loving hand of God that's trying to show them they're deceived, right? It's so sad. It's so sad. He put it there as a stop sign to say, hey, I'm trying to save you here. But people, because really we reason that as long as we had the 
certain facts from the people, we literally kind of tend to believe that God doesn't see it, right? As long as, as long as my neighbor doesn't know, as long as they don't know, right? But they're there for a reason, and they're there to save. I mean, let's face it. It's not saving God. He's going to be fine. He's going to be fine. And I'll, I'll lay another one on you. He don't even need to punish you. He'd be fine either way. Can I say that again? He'll be fine either way. <laughs> He's so beyond us that without his love for us, we'd be inconsequential. You realize that's how great God is, right? Like he could have thought of everything we think is awesome and magnificent in one minute on a Thursday. You realize, I mean, he's great, right? Amen. It's not like it was this. Now, the love that he has for us over, overshadows and encompasses all that and makes him, he, he's a player, man. He's in the game, right? But outside of that, we don't have anything that he should want, that he would want. He wants us because he loves us. Yeah, he just wants us because he loves us. He don't need us. Let's build God a house. You know what, what David and Solomon, they were about building God a house. And God honored them because he loved them. He came in and dwelt in it, knocked them all down one Sunday, one Saturday. You know, he did. They consecrated the temple, and all of a sudden, the glory fell in the temple, and the priest. They couldn't stand up. You know, now, we don't ask you to ever fake that, but it's happened, and if it happens, amen. You know, but you got a lot of people that think they need to help God, like Abraham and Sarah. I remember, a guy prayed for me one time, and that cat pushed me over. And I said, man, I don't ever want to be a part of anything fake like this. That's just ridiculous. God is real. He don't need my help. You know? And it's almost like we think he's not doing us for, for us, so we need to help him out. That's the height of ridiculousness, in my opinion. But, you know, but you know, he still loves everybody. He still works with us the best he can, right? Amen. Isn't he great? He's a good parent, if you think about it. He puts us first. He loves us no matter what. Even when we're being disobedient, he's trying to bring us back. It's not good for you. You need to stop. It's not going to work out good, right? And he's loving us. He's not throwing us out. Even if we're grieving his spirit, he's not throwing us out. That is good, man. The creator of everything loves us enough to put up with our, our failings, you know? Amen. All right, we look at it. Let's just see where we are here. So I'm going to read it again. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, okay, who do not walk according to the, to the flesh. I've got so many notes and highlights in my Bible. Half the time I can't even read the Bible. All I can see is the notes, man. Who do not walk according to the flesh, amen, but according to the Spirit, and that Spirit capital, not my Spirit, but His Spirit, amen, because you have a Spirit too. And a lot of spiritual people out there walk according to their spirit. And there are demons and principalities and powers that manifest to them, and they think they're walking in something. And really, they're walking in evil and debauchery. Yeah. But, but it fools them. So, um, and then verse 2, and, and this is what we should focus on maybe today. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Now, I read that fast like we normally read it when we read the Bible. Well, let's look at that. That's wonderful. You know there's more than one law? Whoa! 
the law. Mm, this is the one that saved me. The law of the spirit of life in Christ. If you're in Christ, it's a law you're alive. There's a law in Christ that's greater than the law of sin and death. You know what the law of sin and death is? The commandments. He's referring to the commandments as the law of sin and death because no human being could perfectly keep them, so they resulted in sin and death. And he's saying that there is a law greater than that law, and it's the law that if you're in Christ, you're alive. It's a law. You know what I'm saying? God will break laws. If you're in Christ, you are eternally alive, and nothing can change it. Amen? There's a law that set you free. There's a law that set you free. Oh, I still missed the mark. Yeah, you do, but you're alive. Because God said there's a law that life is in his spirit. Jesus said the flesh profits nothing. The spirit giveth life. And then, it, you know, we read in 1 Corinthians 15, I think Wednesday night, that Jesus, the second man, became what? A life giver. He became a life-giving spirit. If you're in Christ, you got life. You may not use it much. You may not meditate on the Word, and things of the Word may not manifest in your life. But there's a reservoir of it, whether you're tapping it or not. It's there because God said so. He said so. I'm going to tell you, it won't change. He doesn't change. Isn't that great? And, and it's just amazing that it's actually written in Scripture. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has what? Made me free. And what were we told? Him whom the Lord sets free is free indeed. You can rejoice, it's okay. Being free. And not having to be perfect, not able to be. It's not a having to. Not able to be perfect. And God loving you so much, knowing that you couldn't, sent grace. That all you have to do is believe. And by belief, be in Christ. Just confess. Jesus is the Lord. See what I'm saying? Just a confession. Jesus is the Lord. When I say, God, I believe you sent Jesus on my behalf, and he died in my place. Jesus is Lord. You realize what happens, right? I'm transferred from Lee to Christ, and the same spirit that raised him from the dead is going to raise me. And we'll read that in a minute. But it's true. And he lives in you now. And you have eternal life now. Why? Because the spirit of life's in you. And where the spirit of life is, you have life. You have life. Man, God's good. Go ahead, just be happy giving him glory now because, you know, if this was my last day, then I want to go out telling him how great he is. So when I see him, if I were to see him in the next few minutes, I say, I just continue on. God, let me continue telling what I was thinking about. You are great. I didn't deserve it. Jesus Christ, the holy, deserved it, and you expanded it to me. I honor you, sir. I honor you. I'm here to serve. Amen? I'm here to serve. I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> I mean, really. You know, praise God. I'm just happy to be here because freedom was something I couldn't find and you brought it to me. 
Isn't he great? Man. Yeah, verse 3, for what the law could not do. You ready? For what the law, that means the written law, the commandments, could not do. Why couldn't it? In that it was weak through the flesh. Flesh couldn't keep the law. The law was made weak through the flesh. What the law couldn't do, God did. So how are you going to be, how are you going to be perfect and, and get to heaven? It's the only way. And really you won't be. You won't be perfect and get to heaven. But you will be in Christ and be perfected in Him. Amen. One day. God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, He condemned sin in the flesh. Whew. You notice when you read that sentence, we're not involved. You'll find a lot of Christians that believe in Jesus, but they also believe they got to help them. They got to do right, act right, be right. And I'm not saying you shouldn't. Don't hear me like that. What I'm saying is they believe they have to to be able to see him face to face one day. And But when you read scripture, it just over and over says he did. He did. He did. And we become partakers, heirs, joint heirs of Jesus Christ by believing that he did. He did. Amen. Oh my gosh. Thank you, Lord. He sent his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin and condemned sin in the flesh. I did not understand it for like eight years. Read it. Didn't understand it. Finally, the Lord told me one day, he said, what's, it, what's up with a condemned building? You, some of you know this that have been here. And, and I said, well, you know, it's going to be destroyed. And I, and, I, and I thought about it. I said, well, they walk up to the front. They put this sign on it. It says, building condemned on April the 6th, 2020, going to be demolished. Make sure you're not in there. That's what it says. They didn't necessarily knock it down, but it's already, it's already known that nobody should use it and it's set for destruction. When it says he condemns sin in the flesh, it don't mean you're going to be perfect. What it means is the date at which sin in the flesh will be done away with, destroyed, in the mind of God has already set. And everyone who's his has that date on them. They're not perfect yet, but he doesn't care. He's already condemned it. Legally, it's done. It just hasn't been demolished yet. You know, you know, that, you know that condemning is legal, right? You know, that's a legal function. It's going to happen, right? They're going to bring in the wrecking ball, knock it all down, get rid of it. That's what God's going to do with us. At the time he set for the condemning, or the, not the condemning, but so to speak, the condemning of that building, he's going to come knock it down, build a new one, give you a new body, one that cannot sin. You know what? Then the law won't be weak by the flesh anymore. Everybody will be keepers of the law. But it won't be because you have to work at it. It'll be because it's who you are. Like God, it's, it's who he is. Amen? Isn't that great? See, he fixed that for us. He fixed that for us. Praise God. Now, you understand, we, have, we really have no part in that other than trusting him. You got to trust him. 
You can't knock your own building down. You can't knock your own building down. Oh, you could kill yourself, but you can't raise yourself and give yourself a new body. So I suggest you don't. Amen. You have to trust Him. That's why everything about Christianity, when we really understand it, is trusting in the work of God through Jesus Christ towards us. Right? Amen. Every bit of it. Every bit of it. It's on His side. He's done the work. Our side is to believe. That's it. What's, what, anybody know? The Bible says the works of God. What are the works of God? Anybody know? Now, it's a trick question. It says the work of God what? What's the work of God? Do you know? To believe. Look it up. Google it if you want to. The work of God is to believe. How, how should we do the works of God? What should we do? The work of God is to believe. Now, out of that belief will come works. Right? But the work that you can do is to believe. Amen? God is good. All right. And this is what's, what's interesting. He condemned sin in the flesh. You got it? There's a date on your body. You're, you, you're, you're never, I'm, I hate to kind of say this because I don't want to give anybody the wrong idea, but truly in the flesh, we're never going to be 100% right until God fixes our flesh, gives us a new body. You got people out there saying they put away sin completely. What? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. But I'm, I'm just making a statement that you'll run into Christians that, that continually tell you you need to put away sin, that you need to walk righteously. They don't do it. They haven't done it. They're scared to death. But they misread the Bible and they think it's a requirement. They don't understand that the righteousness that comes is imputed through Christ. That means it's just given freely by confessing Christ. They see righteousness and they think in the natural that means you only do right. They don't realize, though, that the Bible's clear telling you you can't only do right. Nobody made it except Jesus. There's, it, 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 the Bible's clear there's none righteous, no, not one. The only one that ever was was Christ. So our righteousness is only, the word, the best word for it is imputed. It means given freely. Not because of anything we're able to do, just like I'm not deserving of righteousness, but instead God said, I ordain thee righteous. <laughs> Which is, this is this freedom he's talking about when he says this, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free. In other words, he said, I call you righteous, right in the middle of your sinning, right in the middle of your imperfection, right in the middle of those thoughts you had that are not godly. He's called you righteous. You, you know what I'm saying? It's amazing what, this, what God has done, right in the middle of it. And then after he called you righteous, and you still missed the mark, and the devil would want to look at you and say, look, look, see what he did, and God says, Righteous. That's what I see. You know? Righteous. And you missed the mark again. And your neighbor said, man, you ain't no way. You, you, you. God standing up and looking down. Look at my righteous children. Aren't they beautiful? 
You know what he said about Job? He gave you a view of it in Job, didn't he? The devil knew Job was walking in low faith, didn't have a lot of faith. He was worried about his kids. and But then the devil went to God. God said, have you, have you considered my servant Job who's righteous? Job, Job wasn't acting righteous. He was acting in fear. Fear is not of God. He wasn't any more acting righteous. But you know what? It doesn't come from your acting. It comes from the mouth of God because of your faith. So the devil comes up and God said, righteous. You see my righteous servant down there? You see him? He's righteous. He's righteous. That's what he says about you. If you're in Christ, that's what he says about you. Do you still miss the mark? Yes, you do. Will it still affect your flesh? Yes, it can. Yes, it can. It, it can. And we got to know that because, you know, it's, it's the interesting thing. Nowhere in New Testament scripture is sin imputed to a believer by God. Okay? But you can still sin and hurt yourself and hurt those around you. If I fall into sin with some other person, some other, some other lady, it'll hurt my family and hurt me. You see what I'm saying? And it'll be sin, and I'll pay for it probably. It's very rare that God wipes away consequences of sin in the flesh. You know what I'm saying? He does do it at times, but you can't count on that. Just looking at the world, there's no way to tell, you know? So you shouldn't do that's why That's why they tell you, drink two glasses of wine and go home. Don't get drunk because you could die out there in the middle of the street, and you can't blame God. You could get hit, and that would be the end of it right there. You say, but, but God, I'm only 19 or whatever. You say, I didn't do it. I didn't do it to you. I showed you the way. Right? So we need to know, that, you know, there's still, there's still things that affect. But from God's point of view, sin's not imputed. That person's going up. But I will tell you this, they might have left early. They may not finish blessing their family or their ministry or the thing God gave them to do professionally. You know, they might fall short in those regards. And, you know, that would affect their reward, their future reward. The Bible even gives a description of someone who built on the, in the kingdom of God with straw. And it, it was all that they had built was no good, you know, and it was consumed by the fire. And it said, now, they did, they did get to heaven, but it was as through the fire. In other words, they lost everything that they could have used in the world to come because it was worthlessly built on here. People don't, we don't tend to think about that because <clears throat> good old Southern Christianity and even the songs we sang only talked about getting to heaven and never talked about the new heaven and earth and the rest of forever, which is a lot longer than now, <laughs> right? And the rewards that people have and the houses that they have that God, that God builds, right? Amen for us. Jesus said, I go to pre prepare a place for you. You know, he's building the whole time you're here. And he's rewarding you there based on what you do here as far as service. Amen. So, I mean, we can't ever, we never should get, and you know, the Bible says, do not grow weary in doing good. Right? There's a reason for that. And it's not just because, oh, that just sounds nice because God needs us to do good. No. We have, I'm going to tell you, God is He's wise above any. And when you really understand it, he put skin in the game for us. He did. He didn't just say, go do this. Because a lot of parents tell their kids, 
And this doesn't work, by the way, a lot of times, if you ever do this. Do what I said. Why? Because I say so. Let me tell you, there are times you have to do that when there's not time. Like if they're standing in the middle of the street and there's a transfer truck coming, you ain't got time. Do it because I said so. But when they get out, you might want to explain it. Right? And God has let us know there's a reason because there's there's life coming. Right? Because we're, we're in the, what we, we make fun sometimes, and not make fun of, but we talk about Elon Musk. You heard of this guy? He owns Tesla and SpaceX, the electric cars, the Tesla cars, and SpaceX. They send rockets, right? And, the, and there's an interview on YouTube where the guy says, well, Elon, what do you think? Because they, they consider him really wise. You know? He said, what do you think? What are the chances that this life we're living in right now is an iteration? And he goes, well, yeah, we think it's pretty much, you know, such and such percent chance it is an iteration that we're living, you know. And you want to say, dude, it's God. We are in an iteration. This is the dress rehearsal for life to come. See, they get it. They just don't know who, who to attribute it to. And, and maybe Elon gets it, and he just didn't say it. I don't know. But it's interesting that even the minds of people who don't show necessarily outward signs, they get it. You know, they understand this is a dress rehearsal for something else. This is like something that where we're preparing for something else. It's an iteration, you know. They know it. If the world is seeing it, where's the church? <laughs> Why isn't the church standing up saying, we understand it. It's in Romans. It's in Corinthians. Let me show you. The creator has us in an iteration where if we learn to love and show that we have, when I say learn to love, that means love Jesus Christ, believe, right? And then love our neighbors. That prepares us in the iteration for the world to come. Amen? Doesn't it? Amen? The new heaven and new earth when we don't need a son because God himself lives among us and he's the light. Isn't that amazing? It's clear. I think it's in it, it's Revelation where it says, and in the new city there'll be no son, no need of a son for God himself dwells among them. Gosh, it's going to be different than what we see now, isn't it? It's going to be different than what we see now. Amen. Thank you, Lord. We need different. <laughs> we need different. All right, so let's, if you will, uh, look at verse 5. For those who live, uh, I want to say, he sent his son, you know, in sinful flesh, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, no, we need to we need to hit four really hard here. He sent Jesus in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. You with me? He condemned sin in the flesh. Why? It says that, but what can we say? So that. That's what it means, right? So that that the so is just silent. So why do you do it? So that the righteous requirement of the law might be, say it out loud, fulfilled, accomplished. And Jesus said what? I come not to do away with the law. I come to fulfill. Do you understand the law is still binding for everybody that's not in Christ? 
He ain't come to do away with that. But for those who are in him, he fulfilled. Do you understand that if you're in Christ, the law no longer has a hold on you? As far as sin and death? You understand that? Because of his fulfillment of it, that's where our righteousness comes from. His righteousness is shared with us undeservedly. Ooh, that's grace. Grace means unmerited favor or undeserved favor. So the grace of God is that when Jesus was raised and he was deemed righteous because of his righteous life, amen, all who are in Christ and have the spirit of life share in his righteousness. And that's why it says he fulfilled it for us. You ever missed a Ten Commandment? You better be in Christ. No, it's true. Because he ain't wiped the Ten Commandments away. All he did was wipe away the sin and the death that come as bre- out of breaking one. And the only escape for someone is to be righteous in Christ. Amen. And again, there's nothing we can do for that. It's all God. It's Oh, God, he did it all. The only thing you can do is come to that conclusion and say, I believe. Thank you, Jesus. Right? I believe. Isn't it good? All right. The righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh. Remember, kata. Kata. Right? I'm going to read it again denoting motion or diffusion or direction from the higher to the lower. So do not walk according to, so don't live or make their life according to or down from the nature, the flesh, but instead down from the spirit, right? Amen? So you see all of you are righteous. You're all, you're all called by God righteous because of Jesus. Amen. You know what that means? That means the blessing of Abraham belongs to you because you're righteous. You're righteous. Well, you know, I'm, I, I committed a little sin this week. I don't know if God's going to heal me. God looking at you saying righteous. The problem's between your ears. And he looks at you, he sees Christ. Right? If you really want to do a fun study, 1 Corinthians 5 and 6 is very clear that God doesn't even see you. You don't even have a name anymore. Do you realize that? Do you realize that? You people realize that? You don't have a name anymore. You, you don't exist. You are the body of Christ. And it says in Revelation, all who overcome, God's going to give a new name. You know why you need a new name? Because right now, your old name's gone. You're in Christ. And then when, when, when the body of flesh is done away with, you give a new bo- get a new body, he's going to give you a new name. Because you're not going to be Christ anymore. You're going to have individual names. And guess what? It's like Hebrew. Your name is your function. So your name will be your function, your place in God. Isn't that cool? He got this whole thing planned out. 
He's got this whole thing planned out. And people are running from him that know him. He's saying, wait a minute, I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm trying to bring you in so you can have life and life more abundantly. You know, I'm not trying to hurt you. That makes sense. Had somebody tell me, I don't know if it was this week, last week, or when, but they said, you know, I'm just not ready. I don't think I'm ready to do this. He said, because I like to dress up. You know, I, I've got an artistic flair. And what I see in Christianity is kind of bland and gray, you know. And I said, let me ask you a question. You think God knows how you are? I mean, could, you believe he's real? Yeah, yeah, I believe he's real. You believe he created you? Well, I believe, yeah, yeah, I even believe, yeah, I believe he created me. You believe he created you. So then what you're dealing with is given to you by him. You didn't create it on your own. Well, yeah, yeah. So if God's calling you like that, don't you think he'd want you to be like that? He's going to use you like that. Now, if you're sinning using those things, he's going to stop that. Right? But otherwise, what you are using was given you by him. He's not telling you to start dressing in muted colors and browns. He's saying, come into the kingdom of God and be yourself so people like you will come in. Right? It's amazing the things we think. Like, you know, oh, I've got to change everything. God won't use me unless I look like everybody else. No, the point is he's trying to get you to look like yourself and be changed. He's trying to let these individuals shine, right, for him. Now, we all have the same spirit. That's the cool part. We're different. We've got longer arms, shorter arms, taller, different voices, you know. But the thing of it is, we share one thing. We've got the same spirit. So, see, somebody walks up to us can say, oh, that guy wears khaki a lot. Well, this guy wears all kind of bright colors. They couldn't be anything alike. Their churches couldn't be anything alike. The only thing they don't realize is they both worship from the same spirit. They birth walk with the same God. So when they talk to him for a minute, they'd be like, man, them cats couldn't be further. They couldn't be more different on the outside. But you can tell the love of God. Right? Isn't that something? And we should embrace that because that's really our strength. Our strength is in that diversity of different gifts, talents, graces, just, you know, the personalities of different people. We should want them in our midst because they have something we don't have and we have something they don't have. Right? Isn't that great? God is so good. I mean, you know, if you go back to the original plan, I mean, if you just look in this room, all the different uh, eye color, hair color, whatever you want to call it, everything, and it came from Adam and Eve. (laughs) It came from Adam and Eve. So we weren't meant to be split up and divided. We were meant to be together. One common father and mother, you know, and spiritual daddy God who set it in motion. Isn't that cool? So we really can't fuss and fight about that if we want to be biblical about it, can we? That would be uh, working against ourselves. Pastor Dawson always says his dad taught him one thing about working. He says, the one thing my dad taught me makes sense. Get the right tool, you know. And that's what he said. He said, cause you better off to get up and go get the right wrench than try to use that when it's halfway turning that bolt. He said, don't work against yourself. Don't ever work against yourself, and you'll actually end up getting done better and faster. That's true. If the bolt's not metric, don't put one on there that fits and try. Go get a standard, go get a standard wrench and use it. You know, Don't work against yourself. Don't make it harder. Amen.
Look at what it says. I, I want to hit this now just so everybody understands. 4 to, this is verse 6. You ready? For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. For to be perfect in your flesh is like, no, no. For to have put away all those sins that continually try to, no, what does it say? What's life and peace? Spiritually minded. You understand? God is not ever expecting 100% perfection as long as you're in that body. Matter of fact, he knows you can't. That's why he sent Christ. He loved King David. Do you agree? He loved King David. The Bible, the Bible says the man after his own heart. But why did he love King David? He messed up big several times. But why was he a man after his own heart? I believe he worshipped him. I do. But I really believe there's something else too. I think that David considered God in every decision he made, big or small. And I really think his consideration of God, even if he couldn't carry it out necessarily perfectly, but the fact that first in his mind, what would God want? That was where God said, you're my man. Because I know you can't always carry it out, but you always seek my way in everything. You always regard me first in all things. You know? And if you miss it, you don't hide it, you come before me and you say, God, I missed it. I'm sorry. Father, I missed it. I'm sorry. Even in that, you regard me. Now, we all like little Davids because we're all of the same spirit. You know, and really, that's what he's looking for—somebody to regard him. That's what faith is about. It, it's regarding the truth of God. It's regarding who He is, wanting, wanting in your mind to be like Him. You know, on on the level that we're each called to do, isn't it? For to be carnal, carnally minded, yeah. Now, if you want to see about the mind, you got to go to verse thirteen of of Romans seven real quick. I'm talking about the law. Uh, Romans 7, uh, let's don't go that far. Uh, look at verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I'm carnal, sold under, sold under sin. Did your Bible say sold under sin? How are you sold under sin? Kind of interesting, isn't it? I'm sorry, Romans 7, 14. Yeah. How are you sold under sin? Yeah, here's what he's saying. Slaves to sin. To be sold under is to be a slave. All right? So you're slaves to sin. That's what he's saying. You with me now? All right. So we know the law is spiritual, but I'm carnal, a slave to sin. For what, and this is how he says he knows it. For what I'm doing, I don't understand. And what I will to do, that I can't always bring to pass. But what I hate, I end up doing. Right? Well, we've taught this before, but, you know, we're, we're praising God today. So... He says, now this is cool, verse 16. If 
So I found then that if I do what I don't will to do, what I know is wrong in my mind and I don't really want to do, if I still do that, you with me? Then what's he saying? I agree with the law that the law is good. You know what that means? That's to be spiritually minded. It has nothing to do with your ability to always carry it out. If the Spirit resides in you, then you know that God is good and you know that God is right and you agree with the law even when you fail. And if you're spiritually minded, then you're righteous in Christ. Amen? That's what we've been reading the whole time. That's what we've been reading the whole time. Look at what he says. Verse 17. But now it is no longer I who do it. Let me read it in, in line here, verse 16. If then I do what I do not, if, if, I, if then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it's good. But now it's no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in me. I'm give, look, understand that. That's the view from God. That's the view from God looking down. Not our view looking up. God's view looking down is if you agree and you're spiritually minded, he, it, the fact that you're spiritually minded is enough. Whoo, that's hard to say. It's true. You see that? Come on, tell me if you see it is now. We need to stay, we need to stay here or do we go? It's no longer me who does it, but what? Sin dwelling in me. And when he says in me, he's talking about in, in your flesh. And why is that not a problem? Let me, let me just ask a question here, a dollar to the winner. Why is that not a problem? You understand what we're saying, right? We're, he's literally saying that if you sin in your flesh, as of now, it, it's not really a problem between you and him. Now, I'm not saying it won't end up hurting you down here on earth. Don't hear me like that because we just talked about if you, you know, have that wreck and everything. It, but between you and God, all right, you with me? So what have we read so far that points to that? Now, it's no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. Amen? Well, let's read verse 18 too. For I know that in me, that is, in, look, he, in case you don't believe it when I say it, he's talking about in the flesh only. Paul puts in parentheses right here so we get it straight. So you'll know I'm on track, right? Because he doesn't want you wondering if what I'm saying is true. He wants you to know. So he goes on and say, says it right here. I know that in me, that is in my flesh. Because see, the Spirit of God is in him too. So he has to make a differentiation here, right? That is in me, in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will, to want to, is present, right? But how to perform what is good I just can't find it always. I want to do right, but I can't always bring myself in the flesh just to do it. You ever find yourself in that? You're just like Apostle Paul, don't worry about it. It's the struggle that we're in in the meantime when we're born again in the Spirit. We're, trying, we're in the process of renewing our mind under transformation, but our body is still acting like a, it's in anarchy. Right? Because it hadn't been it hadn't been perfected by any means. God has to do that. 
Now, we can transform our mind by meditating on the Word and make better decisions. Because what's your mind? It's your decision center. And your, your body, here's the thing, your body should just listen to your mind. You realize that. But your body fights back. Because when we sin the first time, knowing what sin is, we died in the Spirit. And the mind that would normally take information from the Spirit and make decisions and say, body, do this. Once that part was dead when we sinned, there was nothing but the mind and the body. So the backflow happened. And all the mind did really was just become dormant and take the information that flowed to the, from the body to make decisions. I'm hungry. Oh, let's eat. You see what I'm saying? the natural started flowing in backwards to the mind, and the mind made decisions based only on the natural, not on the truth. Not on the truth because it didn't know any truth. It just made decisions based on survival in a fallen world. And when we get born again, the body's still in that mode. It's still in the mode of sending all the information up like it runs the show. That's that anarchy you feel. I will to do it in my mind. I'm spiritually minded, but my body just keeps saying, no, we're going to do this. We're going to do it. We need to do this. You're going to die if you don't do this. Da, 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 da. It's still trying to run the show. In the meantime, we're reading the Word, meditating on the Word, praying, renewing our mind to say, shut up and do what I tell you. You're going to bow down to the will of God and quit sending me this wrong information because, body, you don't know the truth. You hear me? I got that from you. Think about this for a second. You ready? The devil knows this. Jesus in the wilderness hadn't eaten in 40 days. You with me? The devil says, you should turn that stone into bread. The flesh, you got to get something to eat, man. You're going to die. Jesus did not buy in to the flesh backflow. He said, my Bible says that man lives not by bread alone. And he flushed it right back down to the flesh. He said, we ain't going to eat yet. Shut up. When God wants us to eat, we'll eat, and we'll live till then. You see, he understood that struggle, and he didn't receive the flesh telling him what to do. He said, flesh, shut up. Devil, you shut up too. You're the one causing this. Right? That makes sense, doesn't it? The devil's trying to come in through his channel, the flesh, because he owned the flesh at one point. Right? He owned all of us at one point. All right. We're almost done. Hey, thank you, Lord. Look at what he says, verse 18. I know in me, in my flesh, nothing good dwells. I can will it, but I can't always bring it to pass. Verse 19. For the good that I really want to do, I don't do. And the evil I don't want to do, that I end up practicing. Now, you're going to find people in First John, they say, well, you know, the Bible says don't do sin. And, or don't practice sin. And what that means is don't repetitively do sin. And you See, they don't understand this. Because Paul used that word practice there on purpose. He's saying, no, you still practice stuff. You still repetitively sin. As a Christian, you still repetitively sin. And he got you to no, you know, you, you, you might fall, but you won't repetitively. Paul says, you, you still practice stuff as you renew in your mind. Thank goodness God looks at you and says, if you're spiritually minded, you're righteous. Now, again, why is this no big deal? Why is he, why does God not have a problem that we still miss the mark? 
It's the dollar question. It is because of Christ, but I mean, think about it here. The last part of verse 3. Why is what we do in the body not an issue? Romans 8, 3. Last part. Why is it not a problem? Wish I had my magic marker. I don't have it yet. It's not a problem because I'm not doing a good job on this. This should be easy. Yes! You get the dollar! It's because he's already condemned sin in the flesh. You're not going to use this body anyway. You're not going to need it. It's of no consequence to him. This life is not going to matter. We're going to higher life and everything in creation going to be burnt up and remade. It's not an issue to God because he's bringing us out of it. And it's already set. The date is set. It's because you're getting a new body. And that's what it says at the end of three, right? I think that's right. Yeah. He condemns sin in the flesh. That's why sin, when, when you're in Christ, is not an issue between you and God. Because he's already said, I've already condemned all that sin. I already condemned all that stuff. I'm not adding it up anymore. I don't put a date on it. I'm doing away with it. You with me? I've condemned that building. It's going to be destroyed. I fixed the problem. That's what God's saying. I fixed it. Not you. I'm giving you a wrinkly one. I hope it still spins. All right. Amen. Isn't God good? I don't think that's enough <laughs> for that. But praise God. It might get you a milkshake, though. We, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, Frosty. I don't know. Frosty's got probably more expensive than that, you think? I don't eat Frosty's because they only make chocolate. I like vanilla. But anyway. Now, they make vanilla now, don't they? Yeah, thank you. But for a long time, they didn't. You go to you go to Wendy's, you have to eat chocolate. It's like, I ain't going to Wendy's, although they got good burgers, you know. Anyway, that shouldn't even be it. We'll edit that out. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, we got to be able to have fun because God is having fun through the body of Christ. He's given us freedom and life. He has given us freedom and life. And we can just go tell people, hey, if you just choose Jesus, you'll be free. What you talking about, man? I ain't never seen a perfect Christian. No, nah, you won't. Let me tell you the deal, though. If you're in Christ, you'll see one one day because they're all going to be raised perfect. God's not ex God knows you can't be perfect. What do you mean God knows? Yeah, God knows you can't be perfect. He's not even holding you to perfection. He's perfecting you himself. He's doing it. He's going to do it. He took it out of your hands because he knew you couldn't do it. That's like a parent taking something out of a kid's hands they know they can't do. They just hurt themselves trying. Right? The parent says, I love you. I'm not going to let you keep struggling like that. Isn't that great? God is good, man. All right. Hey, we're doing good. We're almost done. Those who live according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh. Verse 5. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Verse 6, for to be carnally minded is death. Why? Don't get me wrong now. 
hear, hear, hear me on this. That don't mean that because you have carnal thoughts trying to backwash from your body back into your mind that you're dead. That's not what that means. It means if you don't agree that the law is good with God, then you're not saved. Because that means that the higher principle, kata, that diffuses from the higher to the lower, that you look at to gain from, if it's not spiritual things, then you hadn't truly been born again. You may not always work them out, but you've got to look at where your source is because if you're spiritually minded, you're saved. If you're carnally minded, you're not. Again, carnally minded does not mean that you sometimes have impure or, impure or improper thoughts because your body still tries to backflow and say, we're going to do this. No. We're not going to do that. And sometimes we still do knowing we're not going to do that. And that's what Paul said. That doesn't make you unsaved. What makes you unsaved is you never consider God. What makes you dead is that you don't love God's way, even though sometimes you can't keep it. And I'm going to say this. I hope it doesn't incriminate anybody. Don't hear me the wrong way, please. But the one thing that immediately comes to mind, which is a big issue today, is the homosexual lifestyle. This is why I say, you're going to have homosexuals in heaven. Now, they won't be there, obviously. But think about this with me. The danger is not that we sin and that we're trying to put those things away as best we can, whether, whether it be uh, you know, infidelity in marriage, homosexuality, whether it be alcohol, drugs, whatever, that we're tied up in. Does that make sense? But think about it. The danger is when... Certain homosexual groups want the church to say it's no longer sin. The danger, see, you, you, you got homosexuals that love God and they just can't get control of that flesh. It's still back flushing in all these impure things, right? But, but if they're spiritually minded, they're saved. You with me? But when we as the church or they as the Christian move past being spiritually minded and just not able to perfect it in the flesh and they flip over and say, no, it's no longer sin, then they broke out. Because, amen. Because see, the problem there is now we're flesh-minded, carnally-minded. We're taking what's not of God and minding it first. So see, we're on the cusp of danger here with this issue. The church has got to embrace people and bring them in and tell them, you know, we all have issues, but we can't get to the point where we're calling things that are sin not sin because then we're moving into carnal-mindedness versus spiritually-mindedness. And to somebody that's in any sin, the thought that what they're doing may not be sin is wonderful. It's very enticing it'll be more enticing to them if the church keeps condemning them instead of proclaiming the truth to them. If we are good at proclaiming the truth, then though they might struggle in their flesh, they'll continue to be spiritually minded. You know what I'm saying? Isn't that great? We all have sins, folks. We all need to be spiritually minded, don't we? And we don't need to hold one group out as worse or better than some other group. Because one sin separates from God, no matter which one it is. Amen.